You may not have heard of Ella Wheeler Wilcox. She was an American poet from the 1800s into the early 1900s. She's best known for the phrase, laugh, and the world laughs with you. Weep, and you weep alone. But I wanted to draw our attention to a lesser-known poem written by Miss Wilcox called Regret. She says, There is a haunting phantom called Regret. A shadowy creature robed somewhat like woe, but fairer in the face whom all men know. By her sad mien, that means her sad look or appearance, by her sad mien and eyes forever wet. No heart would seek her, but once having met, all take her by the hand and to and fro. They wander through those paths of long ago, those hollowed ways were wiser to forget. Now, one of the reasons we're considering the book of Hosea here, and it's many, it's hard-edged messages, because let's make no mistake, Hosea, Hosea has some hard-edged messages, is so that we might not be visited by the haunting phantom called regret. We all have regrets, and if we, if we each took time to share our regrets this morning, we would probably do them, share them haltingly and slowly. They'd come out between sighs and probably through some tears. But the reason I draw your attention to this idea of regret here is this. It's possible that in the days to come, the way we're living our life now will be cause for regret. And I don't want us, any of us, to be visited by the haunting phantom called regret because of unconfessed and unrepented of sin in these days. That's part of why we're going through the book of Hosea. My prayer today is that the Lord, by His Spirit, would pinpoint those things in our lives that have the potential to haunt us in the future. Because remember, the Lord's goal for us is not our happiness, primarily, but it's our holiness. His goal for us is not so that we can understand everything that's happening to us, but the transformation of us. We need to remind, be reminded from time to time, and Hosea chapter 5 will do this today, that we don't play with sin. We don't coddle sin. We must run from sin because sin leads to death. And you might today might think, well, I don't have any area of my life where I'm living in extended prolonged disobedience. That's wonderful. Maybe you're not aware of anything that you need to repent of. That's a blessing. Think of this passage as arming you for a future battle. So we're going to see today in, in Hosea chapter 5 the peculiar display of God's love through discipline. We're going to see through discipline. And our response it's not complex, but it's difficult. And stated in one sentence, it would be this. Repent where you need to repent. And repentance just means turning from sin and going another way. Repent where you need to repent so that we might dispatch the phantom called regret in future days. So read with me as I look at Hosea chapter 5. I'm going to read God's word from 
verse 1 all the way down to verse 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, so if you have a Bible, follow along with me as as, as I read God's Word. Hear this, O priests. Pay attention, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you. For you have been a snare at Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters have gone deep into slaughter. But I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now I know, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to the Lord. For the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and herds they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He is withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. Blow the horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah, Sound the alarm at Beth-Avon. We follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of punishment. Among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who move the landmark. Upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to go after filth. But I am like a moth to Ephraim and like dry rot to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king. But he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off, and no one shall rescue. Let's pray. Lord, today, like every day, is a day on loan from you to us. Uh, We awoke this morning by your good pleasure. And Lord, I pray that you would arrest us with your word today. Lord, I pray that where there are things that we ought to be convicted of, Lord, I pray you would convict us by your spirit. Where there are things that are not sin, but weaknesses, Lord, I pray that you would not bring those to mind. Lord, I pray that you would, you would for, for those that have a conscience that's, ev- that's tender, Lord, I pray that you would protect them, Lord, as we think about repentance. For those whose consciences are not tender enough, Lord, I pray that you, pray that you would afflict them. Lord, we trust in you, you and the, we trust as I preach your word, Lord, that your word along with your spirit would do work here with us this morning. Lord, I could never discern the hearts and minds of every person in this room, but you do. And so we pray for the many-faceted work of your Spirit to be amongst us this morning. I pray you would overcome my many, many limitations and sins so that I might be able in some small way to serve here today. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Repent where you need to repent. That's the idea. First, the problem. The problem we see here in chapter 5 is that everybody's abandoned God. 
And the problem specifically starts with the leadership. We saw this two weeks ago. We see it again here in verse 1. Hear this, O priests. Pay attention, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you. So do you hear Hosea calling out the religious leaders and the political leaders, saying, both of you have not done your job. Both of you have been AWOL. Both of you have done nothing, and the people have wandered away. How have they wandered away? Well, because they've done nothing, look at the rest of verse 1. After, for the judgment is for you, for you have been a snare at Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor. God is saying that the religious and political leaders, because they did not do their jobs, because the political leaders didn't call people back to faithfulness with the one true God, and the religious leaders didn't teach the people, the people have built for themselves, that the, the, the leaders allowed through their negligence to have a snare and a net to trap the people. And Isaiah mentioned specifically Mizpah and Tabor. These are the sites of two historic victories in the nation of Israel, but these sites had been transformed to a place of worshiping false gods. These should have been the places that reminded them that the God had delivered them from the nations and that the Lord had worked to protect them in a thousand different ways that they could never anticipate, but instead they had become a trap. Because of the negligence of the leaders— both, both political and spiritual, there was a net, there was a trap. And what were the people doing at Mizpah on, and on Tabor? Look at verse 2. And the revolters have gone deep into slaughter. Now probably this is a reference to child sacrifice. Because the pre priests and the kings were not leading the people, the people had gone off into not just slaughter, but deep slaughter. They were worshiping these false gods, that demanded the sacrifice of their own children, and they sunk to deep slaughter. When you destroy the little ones that you are given to protect, that's not just slaughter, but deep slaughter. And the Lord summarizes the problem. I know Ephraim. Now, when you see Ephraim through chapter 5 and the rest of the book, Ephraim is a synonym for Israel, because Ephraim is the northernmost tribe. We're speaking of Israel. So whenever you see Ephraim, it's Israel. So he's, he's using Israel and Ephraim interchangeably. Verse 3, I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. And what happened? Israel is defiled. So we see God, uh, God's peculiar love on display again here by calling out sin to the people. He's calling out sin. He's telling the priests they didn't do their job. He's telling the kings they didn't do their job. He's telling the people that were once a nation. He calls them, did you see what he calls them? He calls them revolters. They're worshiping false gods and sacrificing their children upon those altars. And so what is God going to do? Verse 2, but I will discipline all of them. The peculiar display of God's love here is not that he's going to destroy, destroy all of his people. Yes, the nation would be taken off into captivity and chastened, but not completely destroyed. He would discipline them. Why would he discipline them? Because God loves them enough to discipline them. If you're a Christian, if you're here and you follow Jesus, 
God promises to discipline you as well. And there are times that all of us need chastening and disciplining and correction. He would be unloving if he didn't do, if he didn't discipline us from time to time. This is the idea from Hebrews chapter 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. What's true of the Hebrews is true for us. None of us have been so committed against sin that people have tried to kill us or stabbed us because we wouldn't wander off with them to follow other, to to go other ways. Have you forgotten, verse 5, the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not, nor be weary when reproved by him. Why? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. The children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, says nothing about discipline. But maybe it should. It's not the kind of expression of love that we like. It's not the kind of expression of love that we think about. It's not the kind of expression of love that we, that we celebrate, but it is an expression of love from God to us. Love always from the Lord has a serrated edge. Remember, our goal, God's goal for us is to transform us, is to change us from one degree of glory to another. He doesn't look at us, any of us this morning, and say, listen, you're fine the way you are. The work is done. I'll check in with somebody else. No. He's about transformation. And oftentimes that takes discipline and chastisement and reproof. Now maybe you're trapped in some kind, with some kind of secret sin. Maybe there's a snare that you've built and you can't get out of. Maybe you have a habit that you can't break. Maybe people have tried to help you and you've pushed back and told them that they don't understand. Maybe you just justify your sin. But the voice of the Lord is calling out to all of us today. We, where we're aware of sin, we must repent. Not just so that we won't be, 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 be haunted by the phantom of regret, but so that the Lord might not be against us. That's the problem. The problem is leaders weren't leading and the people were trapped with vile practices. There was another problem, and it's a problem under the problem. Verse 4 summarizes that problem. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. Now that is a scary statement. You see what God's saying? I'm trying to call the people back from their sin. I'm trying to help them come back to me, but what happened? Why can they not? Well, because they're trapped. There are deeds that they are doing that what do not permit them to return to their God. Why? There is a spirit of whoredom within them, and they do, and they know not the Lord. What were those deeds that they were doing that put a barrier up between them and their God? It's important to note. This is important to recognize. Their deeds were not permitting them to return to God. What were they? There are two. 
They engaged in empty religious activity, and they pursued counterfeit protection. They engaged in empty religious activity, and they pursued counterfeit protection. I'll show you what I mean in verse 6. With their, with their flocks and herds, they go to seek the Lord. Now remember, worship in the Old Testament was focused on the temple. And at the temple, people would come and bring animals for sacrifice for their sins, for the sins of their family. There were sacrifices for their thanksgivings and their tithes and their consecration. The problem with the people wasn't that they stopped doing this. The problem was that they were offering sacrifices to their children on the high places, and they were coming down with their flocks and their herds to seek the Lord. But what happened? But they will not find him. Why? He is withdrawn from them. Why? They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord. See, what they were doing was looking to placate the Lord by doing religious activity. You know what? We'll do this on the side, over here. You know, we're not... And then we'll continue to offer our animals to the Lord as a sacrifice. And that's what they were doing. But that activity is just empty religious activity that does nothing on its own. See, we can engage in empty religious activity as well. Have you ever been faced with a sin, something in your life that just does, that you know is wrong, but you're living with, and you think, well, if I pray extra, if I go to church, if I sing louder, if I read my Bible, if I memorize the Bible, if I do X, Y, and Z, if I do these kinds of things, then I'll be okay. The Lord's saying, no, not only will you not be okay, you could be erecting in front of you a barrier to repentance, a barrier to coming back to the Lord, because you can think, I'm doing these things, and I'm okay. The answer is not to stop praying or singing or serving or Bible reading or memorization, but the, the answer is to stop and be honest with yourself and say, Lord, I need to repent. I need to turn from these things that I love that are not you, so that they might not be a barrier between you and me. Empty religious activity is a barrier, another barrier is pursuing counterfeit protection. This is what they do in verse 13. Israel, Ephraim, the whole nation recognized, hey, something's wrong. We're vulnerable. So what do they do? When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king. But he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. Now, What's not obvious in the text is that these very Assyrians that Israel goes to for help are going to be the ones that march in and destroy Israel 20 years later. Israel realized they're in trouble, and what did they do? Instead of turning back to the Lord, they attempted to make a treaty with their enemy. Instead of entrusting themselves completely to the Lord, they hedged their bet, and they said, you know what, uh, we're going to... Maybe follow the Lord, and we're also going to make a treaty with Assyria. And Assyria would one day come and destroy them. So we have barriers being put up in front of repentance. We have empty religious activity and then pursuing counterfeit protection. See, this is when we decide, well, I'm okay if I have a job if everybody likes me, if I'm reasonably happy and fulfilled, I'll be fine. 
That's not true. That could itself be a barrier. See, the people at the bottom, they were unwilling to turn from their sin and come back to the Lord. And the Lord is calling all of us where there is something for us to confess and repent, not to turn a deaf ear to him. And here's the summary the Lord offers that is sobering. Verse 11, Ephraim is oppressed. How? Crushed in judgment. Why? Because he was determined to go after filth. See, the nation turned to human excrement instead of going back to the Lord who forgives the humble. That's what happens when we refuse to repent. It's what happens when, by our pride, we decide, I'm not going to turn to the Lord and ask for help. I'm not going to confess to the Lord my sin and turn and go the other way. Instead, I'm going to go off and wallow in human excrement quite a picture. None of us would willingly do this physically, but whenever we decide, you know what, my anger, my lust, my greed, my complaining, my unkindness, my self-righteousness, it's not that bad. It's okay, really. We're wallowing in human excrement. It's so tempting. It's so tempting to tip our hat to the Lord Tip our hat to the Lord and say, you know what? I'm still pursuing you because I do religious things. And the Lord says, I am withdrawing myself from you. And that's a frightening place to be. So we've seen the problem, the leaders who didn't lead and the people built for themselves a snare. We've seen the problem under the problem where God withdrew from his people. Now we see the greatest problem of all The greatest problem of all is in verse 12. Words that I never hope are spoken against any of us. Verse 12. But I am like a moth to Ephraim and like dry rot to the house of Judah. And verse 14. I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. Do you see the problem under the... Do you see the biggest problem of all, the greatest problem of all? God himself will destroy Israel. Now, you might think these verses don't sound loving. They don't sound kind. They don't sound welcoming. But we must not be confused about what real love is. Real love from an all-powerful God sometimes has a serrated edge. Sometimes real love means he needs to do surgery on us to change us so that we might not be who we are, to take away those flaws and faults and sins. In fact, it would be profoundly unloving if God didn't try to change us It would be profoundly unloving. Would it be loving if you found somebody playing in the sewer for you to say, they look like they're having fun. I'll go ahead and leave them. Surely not. 
Surely not. You would say, get up out of there. Let's clean you up. Let's get you some food. Let's get you a place to stay. Likewise, the Lord refuses to let us wallow in excrement. This isn't just an Old Testament idea. This is a New Testament idea as well. 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, how does God, God doesn't just, God opposes those people who refuse to confess and repent. They refuse to deal with those sins in their lives. We need to recognize that the Lord opposes the unrepentant. He opposes the unrepentant. And we're not talking about sins that we're not aware of. We're not talking about going on an exploration deep within to try to find out about those things where we fall short that we're not aware of. Those will come up later. We don't need to worry about that. It's those things that we know about in our lives where we say it's not really that big a deal. Or if everybody really understood, they would give me a break. Or it's not that bad. And all the while, we're harboring and excusing and concealing sin. And God promises that he will oppose us. God promises that he will oppose us. And I don't want any of us to be opposed by a holy God. And so what should we do? What did they do? They didn't respond, I can tell you that. They turned a deaf ear to the Lord and didn't respond. What are we to do? Should we clean ourselves up? No. Should we work up sorrow? No. Should we make up for our wrongs by doing other things? No. What do we do? We go to Jesus. The answer is always that we go to Jesus. Now, confession and repentance before the Lord may feel like death, but it's not. He, remember, Jesus has taken the sting and the punishment of sin from us. And so our call today for those of us that are aware of those things where we're postponing obedience or harboring sin is to run again to Jesus. To run again to Him because He is the only answer. He is the only one who can help us. He is the only one who both loves us enough to always receive us and then always be able to help. There are people who will always welcome us in, but they can't always help. Jesus is different. Jesus is completely different because Jesus is the one who took that sin that you take to him. He's the one who died so that you might not be punished for that sin. Jesus never led anyone to deep slaughter, but he was slaughtered. He never acted in any way to defile himself, but he was numbered among the defiled. He never acted faithlessly with the Lord, but he was cursed like he was faithless. He never turned from the Lord, but the Lord considered him a desolation. He never did false deeds, but the Lord ran from him. He never sought anyone but his father, but the father was as dry rot to him. He never ran away into filth but he was crushed in judgment. 
Who is safer? Or I should say, what is safer? Going back into the arms of that sin that you know so well? Or stepping into the arms of Jesus? That's the choice, really. Dealing with, turning from, entrenched sin is never easy, but it's always necessary. See, the call here in Hosea chapter 5 is repent where you need to repent. Turn where you need to turn. And there's a greater reason than just not being visited by the phantom of regret in years to come. It's that, be, that if you don't repent, the Lord will oppose you. Now, repentance is not just feeling anguish for your sin and sorrow for your sin because anguish passes. It's not enough just to, to feel the bitter sting of sin. That passes too. It's not enough to feel the sorrowful consequences of sin. It's not enough to say, well, I'm going to marshal new resources and new personal resolve so that I never do that again. That's not enough. What we need is the Lord God Almighty not to oppose us. We need to repent. We need to repent. We need to come to him honestly and say, I've sinned. We're not talking about going to other people right now. We're talking about going to the Lord because any sin we commit, any sin we harbor is primarily against God Most High. We can go to God and ask for forgiveness because our Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Our Jesus with nails, nail prints in his hands, a side that was pierced. Our Jesus who died for the punishment of our sins so that we might be able to merely repent of our sins. Do you see this? The message here is not feel bad. That doesn't do anything. The message is it's safe to confess and repent. Jesus has opened the way. It's safe now. Now, our pride our pride is going to say, I want to do anything but this. But it takes humility to go to the Lord and say, here it is. Please forgive me. Please help me to change. I want to go the other way. Richard Sibb says, the way to, the way to cover our sin is to uncover it by confession. By confession and repentance before the Lord. So, what are we to do? How are we to respond? In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give us all a moment to be able to engage with God. If he's put an area, a thing, if he's put his finger on an area of your life, don't excuse it. Ask for forgiveness. Confess your sins to the Lord, 
Ask for help in going the other way. Ask for strength to say no. You see, because you know yourself at a level no one else does. You know those things you've harbored. You know those bitternesses that you've hold, held on to. You know that anger that maybe jumps on you, you feel like it. Maybe you know that, that stubbornness that you just won't let go. We have a Savior who can help us with all those things. Maybe you have a secret lifestyle or something that you're doing that you know is wrong. We have a Savior who we can go to freely and openly. And the Lord welcomes all of us. See, this is, this is where we can recognize the peculiar display of God's love in Christ. Where when we see, hey, I have something I need to take to the Lord, we can. We can. But if you don't, your heart might get harder and harder and harder to where the Lord withdraws and eventually the Lord opposes. I don't want any of us in years to come to be visited by the phantom of regret with Jesus our Savior. Much better to visit Jesus our Savior today and give him the burden, the pain, the anguish for your sin. Confess and ask for repentance. Ask for forgiveness. And he will freely forgive. He never turns anyone away. Run to Jesus. Make no stops. Remove any kind of false security that you would put in front of your way or any kind of religious activity that you say, well, I'll be okay if I do this, this, and this. No. Move all that to the side. Go to your Lord and say, please forgive me. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give us a few moments just to engage with God personally. Lord, I ask for all of us in this room, Lord. I don't know the state of every soul, but I do know, Jesus, that you, are wel you welcome anyone who honestly confesses before you. Lord, I pray for you to put your finger by your Spirit on, the heart, on an area of the hearts of people in this room who need to hear from you. Lord, I don't want anybody's heart to calcify so that it's beyond the point of all healing, Lord. I pray that you would give us the gift of humility. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour out your presence among us so that it makes sense in our minds to, to confess and repent. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to recognize that, that, that we can either take refuge in you or we can take refuge in our sin. We would rather take refuge in you and so, Lord, I pray that you would instill that in all of us now, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would put your finger on things in our lives, Lord. And I pray that you would just give everyone that sort of clarity, Lord, this morning. So let's take a few moments just to engage with God.
I'm grateful that you love us enough to help us change. I'm grateful that you are not content just to let bygones be bygones. But instead, Lord, I'm grateful that you bring conviction. And I pray that we would be a church that responds to that conviction. Everyone. All of us. Everyone. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us the gift of repentance now. Lord, I pray that change would go deep. And that we would turn and follow more closely after you, Jesus. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.